Blog Talk Radio. Radio is on the air for Sunday, March 4th, 2012. I'm John Corey. Welcome to the show. Uh, as we move into March and February, which is usually a dead month in the world of sports, flew by this year between Jeremy Lin, the giant Super Bowl run, the other nonsense going on, it was a pretty good February for a change. But now we roll into March, where we had the NBA season really picking up with some good games today. You had March Madness. Had conference tournaments have begun, and the big boys start to step up in the middle of next week. You have Selection Sunday next Sunday. They'll determine who gets in the tournament, who gets seated where, who plays who who the sleeper is going to be. We'll get in a little bit more on that later. You have a lot of NFL news going on. You have guys with bounties. You have quarterbacks getting their arm strength back. You have free agents to be that are none too happy. With all that going on, I'm going to begin today's show with my beloved New York Mets. And the more things change, the more they stay the same. A week ago, you heard Mets starting to get interviews. You you heard Ike Davis was healthy and hitting the ball well and fielding the ball well. You heard about Lucas Duda and his fireworks show that he would go in batting practice. You heard all the positivity and fire from David Wright. You heard Daniel Murphy trying to become a leader of the team. You heard R.A. Dickey talk good things about Mike Pelfrey. You heard about John Neese getting his nose job paid for. And then a week later, after all the positivity that the Mets players had built up, they even gave some Mets fans some real hope. We go back to the way things were. David Wright has a stiff side, claims he's okay, but it probably means he'll be out for the season. Scott Harrison pulls the same oblique that he pulled at the end of last year. But the icing on the cake is Ike Davis. Now, Ike Davis, you heard, went to the doctor. Well, he had his physical. And it came, his physical came back with some abnormal things with his lungs. And it turned out, you know, it's just a, a minor lung infection. No big deal. Not even being medicated. And all will be well. And then late last night, I'm watching the the Strike Force fights, minding my own business. And I'm just checking out Twitter, 
and I see a term I've never heard in my life. That term is valley fever. Well, what is valley fever, I ask? Oh, what happened? Like Davis's valley fever? Are, are, are you kidding me? Are, are you serious, Mets? Are we going to go through this again? Is this really happening right now? Are we going to have another injury or sickness that for weeks we're told one thing, and then all of a sudden, oh, by the way, it's valley fever. It can become serious. Um, can't work in extreme heat. It's like monolith steroids. Ike's going to take a few days off the rest, and then we'll see from there. Does that sound like a lung infection to you? Does that sound like the Mets PR staff, the Mets medical staff, the Mets management staff telling you the correct injury or sickness information once again? In the span of 12 hours, the New York Mets staff has officially taken all the optimism away from me, at least for the moment. Valley freaking fever. I think the biggest problem the Mets fan has with the Mets is just this example. For some reason, the Mets want to act like they're Bill Belichick's Patriots and hide every single injury that goes in that building. Carlos Beltran has a bruised knee. Well, they never heard from him again. Ike Davis last year, he's got a bruised ankle. He'll be back in a couple days. Six months later, he resumes baseball, baseball activity. I'm not going to bore you and go on and on. But what's next? Johan Santana is going to have arm soreness, and then three weeks later he's going to get Tommy John surgery? I don't understand why this team can't just tell the truth. It's not like the fans are going to buy tickets anyway. It's not like 90% of Mets fans have any hope for the year to begin with. But this organization continues to just amaze and amaze and amaze. David Wright, tightness in his side. Oh, no worries. He's been working out and such. He's been doing full workouts, and I'm doing quotation marks as I say that. The problem is the wording. You know, I can go to physical therapy and get a quote-unquote full workout. It's not really going to be a workout, but it's a full workout in the physical therapy sense. So when David Wright talks about I got a full workout yesterday, for all I know, he laid on a bed getting treatment all day and got his full workout in. Again, quotation marks. 
I don't want to spend 45 minutes on the Nets today. I'm sure there'll be plenty of time to have shows like that as the season goes on. But some of this stuff is just ridiculous. And the Nets wonder why the fan base can't stand the ownership. And then the Nets ownership wonders why, you know, the Nets fans won't come out and support the team. Matt ownership can't understand why there's all this animosity. I just can't. I can't fathom. I can't even believe I'm, I'm starting the show with this today. Hopefully Ike's okay in a few days. Hopefully Ike comes back and you know, he's able to actually play baseball. Hopefully Ike comes back and doesn't fall down running the first base or get touched and break his arm. Hopefully David Wright doesn't swing too hard and, you know, get tightness on his other side. I just don't even know what to say. I don't even know what to say. It's not how I wanted to start today's show, but here we are. I just hope that I don't see a repeat from the last couple seasons because this show could be a very ugly show from now until Labor Day. But we'll move on. Um, the, The real big story in sports is actually the bounty with the New Orleans Saints and Greg Williams. Now, let's not be naive enough to think that all teams don't do this. Let's not be naive enough to think that Rex Ryan is sitting in his defensive meetings and say, guys, go rip his fucking head off and I'll give you 1500 bucks." Let's not think for one second Rex Ryan isn't doing that. But for Greg Williams to have done it in New Orleans, to have done it in Washington, allegedly, the reports coming out that he did it in Tennessee, ironically enough, he's going back to Coach Stevens in St. Louis with Jeff Fisher. There's one interesting part of the story I haven't heard reported yet. Isn't it a little bit odd that all the stuff is coming out about what he did with the Saints now that he left the Saints? I understand the NFL investigated last year and told them to stop. Stuff like that is not coincidental to me. I'm sure the NFL found the right person to talk to once it once the Saints found out Ray Williams is leaving. Let's not sit here and think for a second that the Saints didn't rat him out and told them everything they could to keep their punishment as an organization as light as possible. As for the actual bounty, well, with me being a Falcon fan, it, it drives me crazy because I've seen Matt Ryan take some shots from that team, some questionable shots to say the least, and now I know why. 
and it's hard to talk about this in March, but when the Falcons play the Saints next year, the Falcons need to play them dirty, and the Falcons need to get retribution. And I'm not saying for the Falcons to go out there and take out Drew Brees, which is a whole other can of worms for the Saints right now. But I'm saying that the Falcons have to protect their organization quarterback. And if they don't start doing it now, then there's other teams in other situations that will also try to take his head off. But watching the Saints a lot the past, you know, six years, and before that you don't pay attention to them too much, didn't work that good. But the Falcons and Saints in particular have always had a big rivalry. I can't say the word, but you know what I mean. Um, and, you know, I've been watching Falcons Saints games for, wow, 21 years now. Go back to the 91 playoffs when Michael Haynes hit a little slant and put the game away for Atlanta. But, you know, look look at some of the Saints games. I'm sure ESPN and the NFL Network will go back and find all the highlights about some questionable hits. They've already started with some questionable hits on Kurt Warner and Brett Favre and so on and so forth. That situation is going to get a lot more ugly before it gets better. As for the actual players, the Saints had to put the exclusive franchise tag on Drew Brees, which basically means no team can negotiate with him. When you put the regular franchise tag on, other teams can negotiate, but they're going to lose a lot if they get him. In this case, the Saints had nothing to worry about. They're going to keep Drew Brees. It's still in their best interest to sign him to a long-term deal because they have a lot of free agents out there, and they they have no choice but to keep Drew Brees as the franchise tag. That team is going to be decimated. And to me, it's going to say a lot about the franchise quarterback. if he doesn't take less money to keep some of his pieces around him. He's going to have his big offensive lineman that he might lose. He's going to have his big target, Marcus Colston, he's going to lose. He's going to have his deep threat, that Robert Meacham that he could lose. The New Orleans Saints could be a hugely different team next year. And I wouldn't mind it one bit. Be as greedy as you want, Drew Brees. Be as greedy as you want and ask for every dollar you can. Because I'll take Carl Mix and I'll take Marcus Colston. Just saying. Now, the Falcons have their own problems. They put the franchise tag on Brent Grimes. They'll try to work out a deal with him. But there's a chance that the Falcons could lose Curtis Lawson and... Curtis Lawton is not a big name. Curtis Lawton is not hes not an explosive middle linebacker. He's not a playmaking middle linebacker. But Curtis Lawton is as solid as they come. And if the Falcons lose him, that will be a huge loss for them. Again, Lawton is not the most explosive and dynamic player on the planet. 
But if the Falcons lose him, that will leave a big gaping hole in the middle of that defense. You're talking signal calling. You're talking make sure everybody's in the right position. Overall leadership. Curtis Lawton is a big-time player for that defense, a very important player for that defense. And they need to do everything they can to re-sign him. The same with John Abraham. The Falcons have zero pass rush without John Abraham. And I don't know what the market for Abraham is going to be. You have guys like Abraham. You have guys like O.C. that could be on the market. They're older pass rushers. But look at a team like New England. They have money to play with. Look at a team like Tampa Bay, who has $56 million to play with. Hey, if you're Tampa Bay, why not go get O.C. and Abraham for two years apiece? Throw big money at them to see what you can do. You put O.C. on one side, Abraham on the other, look out. Beware of teams like the Cincinnati Bengals who have big time cap room. You know, there's going to be a lot of teams that are, a lot of unusual teams that are going to be big time players in, in this free agency period. Keep in mind, there's over 600 players that are going to be eligible for free agency this upcoming year. And the biggest soon to be free agent of them all is Peyton Manning. Now, a lot of you have probably seen the video of Peyton Manning on YouTube working out, throwing footballs to Dallas Clark, throwing footballs to some other guys down at Duke yesterday. Most people are saying he's starting to get his arm strength back. The bottom line is Peyton Manning is going to be an asset for whoever he plays for. And it's sounding more and more like Peyton Manning and Reggie Wayne are going to be a package deal. That's not a bad package deal right there. Now, cap-wise, I don't know how you can do it. But if you're in a team like the Redskins and you can afford, and remember, the Redskins have big money to play with as well. You're a team like the Redskins, and they can get Peyton Manning and Reggie Wayne together. You know, that's a big deal, especially with the fact that the Redskins have a great defense right now, and the window in that defense is closing. Daniel Schneider is always looking to take a shot to win a championship. Why not now? There's obviously a lot of things in play. Matt Flynn's going to be in play. I said all along that he needs to go to the Dolphins. His old quarterback coach is going to be – his old, I'm sorry, his old offensive coordinator is going to be there. He knows the offense. He can walk in day one with total control of that offense and teach the guys around him how to run it. I think that's a no-brainer for the Dolphins. And I know that Dolphins ownership might want the big name and so on and so forth. But if you're Joe Philbin and your first head coaching job, you think that you had the keys to run your ship, and then three months later, ah, never mind, you just managed the team in 
this guy Peyton Manning is going to run the offense. Because you know any team Peyton Manning goes to is going to run. He's going to run the offense. He's going to run his offense. He's going to run his audibles, his game plan, his stretch plays. Now Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning's in a tough spot here. Now, is he worth $28 million? And is it worth it for the Colts to keep him? Listen, the Colts are about to change over that team dramatically and go into a rebuilding mode. If I'm the Colts, I draft Luck. I let Manning go, and I start the process over. I try to sign Reggie Wayne for luck and have that that veteran presence. But if I'm Reggie Wayne, I don't go anywhere near there. If I'm Reggie Wayne, Reggie Wayne would fit perfectly on the Dolphins. And it pains me to say it. Now, it's not because he's from Miami and he'd be going back to Miami to play for the JV. Like, hold Dolphins to the JV. It's a little inside joke with me. But Reggie Wayne is a perfect complement to Brandon Marshall. A perfect complement. And it, to me, it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. If you want it to be Flynn or Manning, I would still let it be Flynn. And Reggie Wayne can, you know, Reggie Wayne can do the the, the Greg Jennings role. Brandon Marshall dynamic. He he's gonna be the every role. But Reggie Wayne's gonna be a mix of Donald Driver and Greg Jennings for that offense. And boy, I'll tell you. If I were the Dolphins, I'd bring in Flynn. I would bring in Reggie Wayne. I would find a tight end, uh pass catching tight end to go with that mix. And you got yourself an offense in Miami. And the defense is always solid. So you put that offense together, look out. As for the draft, you know, we'll get more on the, the players that are going to be drafted in the next month or so. You know, the combine had a lot of players up and down as usual. I, You know, you pay attention to the combine, but you really should pay attention to what they did on the field. You really should. I understand that you want to know speeds and height and, and – you want to see how they interview and such. Football players are football players. And you're drafting football players. You know, so keep that in mind. I, I know RG3 astounded people with his speed, his size, his presence. But I don't know. I just don't know. Moving on to the NBA. We have a nice day of NBA basketball here, starting with the Knicks and Celtics in Boston. And you've heard the rumors this week that the the Celtics are actively pursuing a trade for Rondo. And then you heard the Celtics backtrack and saying, no, you know, Doc Rivers saying, we've had the best relationship we've had in a long time. Those are things that you say right before you trade somebody. Those are things that you say so another team doesn't look over and go, 
well, if he can't get along with him, why do I want him? Doc Rivers is going to put on the best front right now you've ever seen in your life. Rayshon Rondo is a nice kid. He's a hard worker. He does everything I ask him to do. That's what you're going to hear right now. When the reality is going to be, Rondo is a pain in the neck. Rondo doesn't listen to the coach. Rondo has a chip on his shoulder. That's the reality, and that's why Rondo is in a situation where he could be traded. I think it's time for Boston to blow the Celtics up. The the thing with me is, if you're going to trade Rondo, then you have to trade Allen and you have to trade Garnett. You can't trade Rondo and leave the other guys there to rot because Garnett will become the next pain in the neck for Boston. And Ray Allen will just, you know, shoot threes, but it just won't be the same. If you're the Celtics, you have to decide pretty soon here. The trade deadline, I believe, is March 15th. You have to decide very quickly if you're going to keep Rondo and keep the team together. Because that's what I would do. If I was going to keep Rondo, I would let this team try to work themselves into the playoffs and give it one more shot at a run in May. You know, the regular season structure is not good for this older ball club, but the playoff structure is just like any other year. Celtics have a tough decision to make. About as tough a decision as the Orlando Magic. And I stand by what I say. There's all this talk about Dwight Howard saying, Dwight Howard getting traded. If I'm Orlando, I trade him yesterday. I get the moon for him. I get as much as humanly possible. Because I'm not of the school of thought that Dwight Howard is a good basketball player. Once Dwight Howard starts losing his physical attributes, what's he going to do? The moves that he uses now are purely athletic moves. What's he going to do when he hits 30, 31, 33? What the hell is he going to be then? You know, at least Shaq, as he started to get a little older, had that little turnaround hook he could use, had that little floater he could use. Dwight Howard can't shoot. He can't shoot, and he can't shoot. He's athletic as can be. He's an athletic marvel. But again, he is not a good basketball player. And I will stand by that statement. If I'm the New Jersey Nets, I have to take a shot at Howard. As much as I personally don't believe he's a good basketball player, you're moving to Brooklyn. You want to keep Deron Williams. You have got to re-sign Deron, and you have to get Howard to Brooklyn. And I don't care who you have to trade or how much you have to trade to do it. 
If you're the Lakers, no chance. No chance. Would I would I trade Bynum? Uh, would I trade a package that includes Bynum for him? No, I wouldn't. But I think I would have to to keep that team balanced. I definitely would not trade a package that included Gasol because I think Gasol would be a great compliment for Howard. But if I'm the Lakers, I don't do it to begin with. If I'm the Clippers, I do it. If I'm the Celtics, I do it. If I'm the Nets, I do it. Unless you're getting a really good deal or you're getting him in free agency, there's no way I do it. There's no way I touch him. No way in the world. You you have the New York Knicks who aren't looking to make any moves, I hope, that come off a spectacular last 24 minutes the other night against Cleveland where it was like an and one mixtape game after a while. You had Alley Oops, you had Darren Davis doing a little skip to my loose stuff going down the court. The Knicks are in prime position to get on a roll here and take over the Sixers for the third or fourth seed in the East. They have to win a division to do it. They have to win a division to do it. The next schedule gets tough here, starting tonight in Boston. But the but the reality is, you don't know what kind of Boston team you're going to see. Are you going to see the old Celtics, or are you going to see the old Celtics? I mean, the next road trip here is is not not a good one. They're playing Boston today. Tuesday, they play in Dallas. Wednesday, they play in San Antonio. And then Friday, they play in Milwaukee. Not an easy stretch at all for the Knicks. If the Knicks can get out of there 2-2 two and, two and maintain the status quo, I think that's a good road trip for the Knicks. If they ever got the 3-1, and one, I think they'll take off from there. You know, Otherwise, you know, we're just coming back from the All-Star break. Not much to report from the NBA. The trade deadline's coming. There'll be a lot of interesting things that will happen then. I think you'll see a lot of moves in this condensed season because I think you'll see a lot of teams that feel like they have a chance to go for it. You know, you might see teams like, you know, the Mavericks thinking they, they may need to tweak some things. And you have teams like San Antonio. That might look to add another score. You have teams like Philadelphia that might look to add something. Will Boston start cleaning house? Will Orlando, at 24 and 14 currently, trade their franchise center? Will the Hawks be able to get healthy? You know, will the Bulls be able to stay healthy? They've had trouble with Rose and Dan the last couple of weeks. You know, Indiana's had a nice season. A nice season. 
You know, you see Memphis, teams like Memphis really starting to come up now. You know, Memphis is starting to get more healthy. And because of that, you see they're starting to revert back to their form from last at the end of last year. You know, you have teams like Houston who may be in the market for some moves. Houston's that team that always seems to, to wallow about three, four games over 500, but they can never make the playoffs because the West is so tough. And if you look right now, Houston had 21 wins. Would be the eight seed. They would be the eight seed. They have a one game lead over Denver for the eight seed. You know, I think it would be nice to see Houston get in. They've had a couple of rough seasons. You know, will the Lakers make that deal for Dwight Howard? Who knows? Will the Clippers play basketball instead of being a circus show? So a lot of interesting storylines that are going to happen in the NBA as we move forward. And then you have the report that came out this morning that David Stern has had to step down after the 2014 season. At that point, he'll be 71 years old. He's been the commissioner forever. You know, it's probably the right time. You know, as long as the TV deals and his labor deals are set, it's a good time to do it. You know, he's been very successful. You know, he, he's had great help from guys like Michael Jordan and Andrew Johnson and Larry Bird. But, you know, David Stern's been a solid commissioner for a long time. And then I'll do a second on hockey here. Uh, the Rangers are still steamrolling the Eastern Conference. They're doing a great job. They're, they're eight points ahead of Pittsburgh, 12 points ahead of Philly and New Jersey, and they're 10 points ahead of Boston. So really, Pittsburgh, who is in their division, is the closest to eight points, and the Rangers have a game in hand. The Rangers have 18 games left in the season. 19 games left in the season. The, the Penguins have 18. And the Rangers are just steamrolling. You know, Rangers are tied with Detroit for second in the NHL in points. Vancouver has um, three games in hand, three games more played than the Rangers. And the Red Wings had two more games played than the Rangers. So the Rangers could be looking at a situation where they could get the President's Cup for the most points in NHL. Frankly, none of that matters. For this team, who did not make any significant moves at the trading deadline, they did not go out and get Rick Nash. They kept this young nucleus together that has played so well. I mean, they're 41 and 15. You know, you don't really need to change from 41 and 15. But the fact of the matter is they had the goaltender and they had the talent to win a cup. Do they have the scoring? That could be their issue. In NASCAR, you have um, the race in Phoenix today. Uh, it's a Subway 500. And Mark Martin, he's like 85 years old. He's on the pole. 
Uh, Tony Stewart is in row one with him. Everything else is irrelevant until the crash will start. Uh, for those of you that care about that sort of thing, Earnhardt will start 29th and Gordon will start 30th. And Timmy Hill failed to qualify. So, sorry, Timmy, try again next week. Um, let's run down the schedule real quick. Friday night, we'll have the second edition of the Mets Spring Training Report, and that will be an interesting show, the way this is starting to go already. Status Sunday next week will actually be Status Saturday. Uh, I'm going to do the show Saturday night. Do the show Saturday night. Again, Saturday night, 11 p.m. Status Saturday on Status Radio. Because on Sunday night at 11 p.m., you're going to have our college basketball bracket show. Going to review all the brackets. Going to review all the seeds. Going to see what bubble teams had their bubble burst. Gonna do a little early assessment of my sleeper teams and go from there. And then Wednesday, and you know what? I'm gonna make Sunday night my tournament preview show as well. So come to me first and check out your brackets. You know, see if you like what I'm saying, and see if you hate what I'm saying, and go against me and win some money. So the schedule for next weekend is all 11 p.m., Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night. Friday night, you have the New York Mets spring training report. Saturday night will be status Saturday. And then Sunday night, 11 p.m., the NCAA status selection show, only on status radio. Remember... We are the least listened to radio show on the planet. And we are sponsored by V8. That's all for me today. I'd like to thank the three or four people who listen every week. You make us what we are. You keep us as the least listened radio show on the planet. I appreciate you. But that's it for me for today. Have a safe week. And we'll see you Friday night for the Mets Spring Training Show, the Spring Training Report on Status Radio. I'll see you next week.